Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Andy Ludicky and My Perfect Franchise. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, before we get started, we have all kinds of new viewers, lots and lots of new viewers, actually. So be sure to check in, Longhorn Nation. Let us know where you're from in the chat. I know Jerry loves that, Bobby as well. We like to see where everybody's watching from. But guys, with that said, let's get right into it. we got a big show today. Uh, we'll get to that here in a minute. But let's first start with the press conferences from Sark and Mike Gunny yesterday. What were some of y'all's main takeaways from that? Well, injury-wise on Sark, first of all, uh, uh, Austin Jordan, special teams contributor most of this year, will be out. Ryan Watts will be out. So those are the two injuries of note. Uh, the rest, uh, he said Xavier Worthy and, and Malik Murphy both practiced. Uh, of course, Murphy was injured, Jerry. Uh, during during the game on a the the kick return from Keelan Robinson for a touchdown, I don't think I've ever heard of that before happening. Uh, but uh, Worthy, obviously the more notable one uh, for this week, uh, the uh, special wide receiver that Texas has. Also, I you know Sark uh, had some kind words to say about Ollie Gordon, uh, the Oklahoma State uh, running back. Uh, he mentioned specifically Jerry and Blake uh, about how he gets better as the game goes on. And then furthermore, he paid what I thought was a real tip of the cap to Mike Gundy and what he's done at Oklahoma State over the years. He said that his team plays better, makes good halftime adjustments, doesn't quit, more of a second-half team. He said you can see that from the last two games, the last two weeks uh, as well. And, you know, it, it said it just takes a special coach to make the changes that he made midseason. And I think he's, what is he, 7-1 and one over his last eight games? Uh, so uh, real, real, real stuff there from uh, the the head football coach at the University of Texas yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, if Texas if Texas rolled out in UCF uniforms Saturday, they'd win by forty five. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, I thought Gundy's Gundy's comments were hilarious to me in his press conference. Um, he he's just so blunt, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I I like him. Um, it, it, he was asked about Ollie Gordon. Somebody specifically asked Mike Gundy. What do you do when Texas comes in or a blue blood comes in and offers one of your guys late that's committed to you? And he was like, look, there's nothing I could do about it, right? You know, uh, but he said, you mean 12 hours before signing day like Texas offered Ollie Gordon in his own way of saying, uh-huh, they were late to the party on the guy that's about to win the dope. Uh, because, you know, Mike doesn't get a lot of head-to-head -head wins over Texas in recruiting. So if he does, he's going to kind of let you know about it. Um, but uh, it was funny. I thought it was also interesting. He was asked three or four times, Gundy, about the Texas defensive tackles, the combo of Murphy and Sweat. And his comments are basically, look, man, we've been playing Texas for 15 years. They've had guys for 15 years like this. And then somebody else followed up, well, how would you block them? And he said, well, look, you know, maybe we'll double them sometimes. Or maybe we'll just done what we've done for the last 15 years, just block them. And I thought that was kind of uh, it, it kind of funny and interesting um, that, that Mike Gundy said that. And, uh, you know, the other thing that Gundy said that I thought was it was probably true in the day and age of the portal is they were asking about some of the smaller school college guys that have come and had success on this team this year because Oklahoma State's not nearly as talented as they were. I put up a story on Inside Texas about a high school kids from Texas that played for Gundy that were drafted. They've had a lot less of those in recent years. 
But he said, you know, our culture, and he's, he, he used the term culture about 15 times in his press conference yesterday. Maybe we're better with these guys from the smaller schools and not with the guys that left. I was like, okay, that's interesting uh, that he said that as well. I, I like I like how his, you know, look, he's an acquired taste, I think, for yeah. people. He's not a guy the first time you hear him is going to go, oh, wow, he's – but over time you understand who he is, I think. Uh, and really, uh, that that this says uh, speaks volumes. I think uh, about what he is and what he's about. I I, I still go back to this this uh, summer's media days, uh, and uh, he was so pissed off, genuinely pissed off, guys, about OU's cavalierness towards the o, OU Oklahoma State rivalry game. Yeah, I mean, literally, he was just genuinely disturbed, pissed off. And it, I mean, everybody that was there saw it. There was no nonsense about it. Uh, I thought it was actually refreshing to see a, a, a just some in, uh, uh, genuineness, I guess yeah. that's word, the, the way to put it. Uh, but I, I also think that if he thinks that Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, that comma, combo uh, are, uh, if, if he thinks that combo or like everybody else, Texas has put forth in the last 15 years, he's just slightly wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> that one misjudged by a tad. Now, they have had good players. I mean, Puna Ford, he gets called for holding, you know, against yeah. Oklahoma State. Don't forget yeah. that. Charles Amenahue, uh, good players uh, through the years. Joe Osai, Hassan Ridgeway, Malcolm Brown. Uh, Texas had good defensive tackles. They haven't had a pair as good as these guys are that are also adults. Yeah. Like not freshmen and one freshman and one senior. These guys are both a junior and a senior. They're adults. So it's a little bit different. They're not as good as Hampton and Rogers, but they're the best combo since then. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, guys, the other big news, of course, will happen later today when the college football playoff rankings come out. You know, expect, I mean, Texas has been holding steady at number seven. Alabama, of course, at number eight. Pretty much since the rankings have come out, you think that'll be the case again later this evening? The one team to keep an eye on is Ohio State this week. What does the committee do with Ohio State? The AP poll, coaches poll, had Ohio State six, Texas seven, Bama eight. What's the college football playoff committee going to do? I would hope they drop them to eight. Obviously, Ohio State on the eye test, toughest schedule in the country. I get it. Uh, they're not even going to play for their conference championship, though. And this is not the year. Um, this is not the year to have a non-team that didn't play in their conference champion, even if they're a very, very, very good team, which Ohio State is. There's just not – this is not the year for that team to make the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Um, so I, I I think we'll see Ohio State behind uh, uh, Oregon and Texas. Um, but will they be ahead of Alabama? Bobby, what, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are. Where is Ohio State going to fall? Because that's what people are going to be talking about. Because if Ohio State is six, Texas is seven, and Alabama's eight, that's not really good news for Texas, even though they jump them with a, pack, a Big 12 championship win. But to the thinking of the college football playoff committee, that means they're putting separation between Texas and other teams in front of them, more separation. As long as Texas I, – I, I actually don't agree with that. I mean, I'm not worried about it. Um, as long as Florida State loses, 
That's or over. Alabama wins. I still think Texas is in. Now we'll hear uh, from Paul Feinbaum later today. He's going to join the show. Uh, and I think he is going to argue most likely that an SEC one loss Alabama or one loss Georgia team should be in. Uh, I think he thinks Georgia should be in no matter what. I mean, they're the two-time defending champion. He's like, look, they deserve a chance to be in the playoffs. They've dominated everybody just about. Um, a one-game loss there for them shouldn't affect them. Eh, we'll see if we agree. Um, but I'm not into this, you know, who's going to move which way uh, yet. It, it all comes down to next – it all comes down to 11 a.m. on Sunday. 11 and 7 p.m. Uh, 11 and 7, what do you mean? Texas wins an ACC championship oh, game. Oh, no, no. 11 a.m. on Sunday when the vote. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's a big – you're right. 11 and 7 makes sense. But uh, Sunday morning is when they're going to announce the real rankings that matter, that that have some – that are in ink, not in pencil. Like, these, these rankings are all in pencil right now. Um, the ones that are in ink are the ones that are going to matter to Texas fans. Of course, I want to say this. Texas better not be overlooking – uh, Oklahoma State this weekend. We talk about it. Uh, Longhorns are 14 and a half point favorites. Favorites opened at 11 and a half. Uh, so uh, we'll see how it goes this, this week. But uh, do not look past the, the Cowboys early in the morning in Arlington. I would say, Blake, I'll add too. I think there's, you want, to me, the way this falls for Texas, you want Georgia to beat Alabama. You actually want Oregon to beat Washington because that's a one-loss conference champion, right? It's a one-loss conference champion. And if they beat Washington, um, look, you want the one-loss conference champion, in my opinion, because that's the argument for Texas. Hey, we're one-loss conference champion, and we beat, we, we beat Alabama on the road. And if Sark beats Oklahoma State Saturday, as I expect them to do, then he's going to let people know about it. He is going to start um, – He, I don't want to call it politicking – taking up for his team. Um, and you're going to see that. But the whole thing comes down to FSU losing uh, Saturday, in my opinion. Um, but I, I think Georgia will beat Alabama. I think Georgia will make Jalen Milrow make throws he doesn't want to make, and that's why they're going to win that game. All right, y'all, before we uh, move on to a different conversation here, we got a super chat regarding this. So I want to go ahead and read it. D. Herring 5, thank you, D. Herring. He says, the committee made the mistake of putting Oregon over us. They can fix it with the common opponent last week. It's now or never if we both win. It's a great point. If Texas doesn't jump Oregon this week, then I agree with that. 100%. They're not jumping them next week yep. if, because they'll have a stronger win. Uh, they're playing a stronger opponent in Washington than Oklahoma State. Yep. No doubt. I agree with that. All right, y'all. Well, as Bobby said, we have Paul Feinbaum coming up here in just a little bit. We also have Donald Hawkins, a former Texas offensive lineman, that will be joining us. So we're going to have great conversations with both. Be sure to stay tuned for that. And, guys, we do have another super chat we're going to get to real quick from Juan. And he says, Jerry, Bobby, what do you think of LSU going after Bo Davis? If he leaves, does that lose us Colin Simmons? Also, do you think Sark goes to the NFL again if that ever happens? They've, they've gone after – so LSU's gone after Bo Davis before. This wouldn't be the first time. So, you know, he said no once before. Colin Simmons was not recruited by Bo Davis, by the way. He's an edge. Yeah. Uh, he was primarily recruited by Steve Sarkeesian, to be fair. Right, guys? Um, and so uh, Pete Kwiatkowski coaches the edges, not 
uh, Bo Davis. Bo is the in, interior guy. And, uh, you know, Jerry, you, you know Bo fairly well, I believe, and, and, and whatnot. Uh, what are your thoughts on him moving? I mean, it wouldn't – these guys These guys do move around, and he is an LSU guy, but he's been offered by LSU before. I mean, it's not the first time, right? No, no, I no. And, you know, Billy Napier tried to hire him when he got hired at Florida, right? Um, because they were together at Alabama. Um, look, I think I, I think the, uh, the the one school um, that would always give you a little stop, uh, make you think about it, is if Nick went after him. And Nick's tried once before here. Um, so if he did again, that would be the one that you'd have to take very seriously. Um, but I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think LSU. Uh, I mean, look, I think Bo. I don't not, not that I know contracts, guys. That's not my business. But I think his buyout's pretty high for a defensive line coach, by the way. There you go. There you go. He makes a million a year about, right? And probably going up after this season. Yeah. <laughs> Deservedly so, maybe. But especially after AM puts one and a half on the table for Elijah Robinson to keep him or one seven, whatever they're gonna end up doing. Oh my god. That's all good for that's all good for the other high the defensive line coaches like Bo. Yes. <laughs> a healthy, healthy thing. All right, guys. Well, Christmas is nearing. And we have the 12 days of Christmas. Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody about that as we get to our second day here. Yeah, absolutely love it. Uh, this is the co-op. And, and guys, I wear hats all the time. I'm wearing this one today. Uh, this is uh, the hat uh, or the uh, gear that we're sponsor or promoting today. Uh, everybody likes uh, different kind of Texas gear and whatnot. I'm going to feature, we're featuring it the next 12 days. This one's at the university co-op. Uh, they have all kinds of selection available. Not only this hat, but uh, we've got three or four products we're going to talk about throughout the next uh, a week and a half or whatever. They've got a great selection of hats. The great thing about the co-op, guys, 100% of proceeds of any money that they make goes back into paying for scholarships to the University of Texas. So you could buy this hat or one of the 40 Acres Apparel shirts that uh, we like to wear uh, around here, and it all goes back into uh, the university scholarship fund. So uh, give it a give it a shout. Look up universitycoop.com if you're doing your Christmas shopping. We appreciate them, uh, and they they allowed uh, us to have the uh, remote there uh, on game weekends uh, all year, and uh, appreciate those guys over at the University Co-op. Uh, well, you're watching Coffee and Football presented by My Perfect Franchise, and guys, we do have another super chat we're going to get to here. Actually, we have two that just came in, and Daniel Sweeten. Want to thank him. Daniel says, "Yours, I believe he lacks arm strength to throw line drives and tight coverages over the middle. Could this be why our offense struggles in the red zone? Could drive line help fix this in the offseason like they do with pitchers? I don't think he lacks arm strength. I've seen the guy in person many times. Quinn doesn't lack arm strength. You know what, though, he doesn't do? He does, like, on the goal line, You arch on the goal line, for example, Jerry. Right. I mean, he whizzed that ball in there on that right. slant. Right. Okay. Quinn doesn't do that. Right. It's not and an option. He just doesn't feel comfortable doing it, doesn't want to put the ball in harm's way. I'm not sure. But it's rare that he really tries to gun it. And right. I, so he, it's rare that Quinn uses his fastball. It's not necessarily a bad thing, by the way. It's just how different quarterbacks approach different things. Um, look, I, I mean, look, I would say this, though, you don't throw, Opposite hash, 15, 20 oh, yards, yeah. comebacks without uh, having elite arm talent. So for I, those who are wondering about that. Hey, 
and and I will say this: none of the Texas quarterbacks lack arm strength. I was out there in, in fall practice. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. I mean, I these guys have hoses. I mean, I'm now Malik Murphy has the strongest one of all. I mean, he, he outthrows everybody by five to seven yards on deep balls. Yeah. But he's the least accurate. Um, Quinn and, and Archer are definitely more accurate. Uh, Quinn, somebody just wrote that. I mean, 30 yard comeback routes. I mean, that's an NFL throw. I mean, I don't give a rats, you know what? I mean, about anybody talking, talking about that because he's, he's got plenty of arm. Um, he has some improvement to make, but it's, it's like, I've been saying guys, everybody wants a five-star to come in and be a five-star from day one. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. A five-star comes in that talented, but then maybe he plays like a two or three-star. Then the next year, he's a four-star. Quinn's a four-star this year, completing 80-plus percent of his passes in the fourth quarter right now. Okay? Next year, I think you'll see a different Quinn Ewers as he gets more pocket awareness, as he learns to get through his reads quicker, where his checks checkdowns are. Um, he's got He's got some... Uh, life still left to him and i think that uh, there's a there's a decision that uh, is going to be coming up pretty soon that you know texas fans i i, I think that they're going to be set at quarterback for the foreseeable future uh, we have another super chat that we're going to get to guys this one from braylon barnes want to thank braylon and he says you can't put a one loss georgia in no matter the re resume should go to the team with the most wins since their last loss tcu validated that last year I think, I think the issue with the college football playoff committee has this year is your conference champions. Just think about who your conference champions are going to be. Either it's going to be undefeated Washington or one loss Oregon who beats an undefeated team. If Alabama beats Georgia, it's a team that has then won uh, the SEC and Georgia did not. If Texas beats Oklahoma State, which they will, then Texas is a one loss conference champion. If FSU happens to beat Louisville, which all Texas fans are hoping uh, – that uh, uh, Coach Brom has his best game ever. Uh, FSU's an undefeated conference champion. Michigan, I mean, Iowa may get 100 past midfield once or 160 yards. It depends on what Jim Harbaugh wants them to do Saturday. Michigan's going to be an undefeated conference champion. That's the issue with putting a team in that doesn't win their conference this year. It would be different if there were some two-loss conference champions out there. But these conference champions this year – are tremendous football teams. That's the issue the committee has this year. But I've been saying this. They have the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card of all time this year. Whatever they decide to do, they can just say, look, we did the best in the system that we were brought in to, to deal with. That's all changing next year. They, have to, they could say that about any scenario, and they're fine because it's changing next year. That's the issue these teams' fans are going to have, I think, at the end of the day. All right, y'all. Uh, well, Jerry, I know you posted a couple of recruiting notes over the past 24 hours or so about a couple of targets uh, that have been posted over on Inside. Well, we can't talk about Xavier Philsame. This is yeah. huge news, guys. Jerry. We're, we're getting lots of questions. Yeah, that let take everybody through the whole thing that happened yesterday because that recruitment fundamentally changed, we believe, yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah. Corey, so Corey Raymond was uh, fired by uh, Billy Napier because it's his fault that he called a double reverse pass up 12 nothing against FSU on the FSU 40 with five minutes to go in the half when FSU had no life at all. Oh, but let's forget about that, uh, Coach Napier. Um, so Corey Raymond is the defensive backs coach at Right, right. So Corey Raymond, uh, the corners coach at Florida, he was the one that had the best relationship with Xavier Phil Same on the Florida staff. Um, so, yes, that that is a big uh, happening there for Florida. Obviously, Phil Same had a tweet. Uh, then he was on Instagram Live with everybody. Uh, but, uh, you look, that, that definitely hurts Florida. Uh, Xavier was just down at Florida last weekend for two days. He was at Texas last Wednesday. Um, Look, this is one where like, I, I use the term hang around the rim all the time in, in, in recruiting. And I know it's basketball term, but you hang around the rim on these recruitments. And that's what Texas is going to do. They're hanging around the rim. And now they're watching what's going to happen at Florida after they finished five and seven and lost their rival, lost to Arkansas, lost out. There's going to be changes. And one of those changes just happened to be the guy that had the best relationship with Xavier Phil Same. What I can say is, I expect Xavier Phil Same to make an official visit to Texas. And once that happens, I think Florida's in trouble. Five stars don't come around easy. That'd be big for the Longhorns. Very big. Uh, you talk about wanting to make a youth movement at safety right now. You add Derek Williams and, and Xavier Phil Same, somebody like Michael Taft, who's a kind of a proven veteran for next year. Uh, look, that's headed in the right direction. Add somebody in like Jelani McDonald, uh, who's maybe moving back to safety. I, I just look, Texas is starting to stack classes, Jerry. Yeah. And that would this is what we talk about. Um, Texas put put it together. Sark put this together a little bit with uh shoestrings a little bit, I would say. It's a mix of older guys that developed, uh, a couple of transfers that came in, uh, and a couple of young players. This has a potential now of being more of a machine-like situation, uh, and that's what that's what you're hoping for. You want the steady flow of elite players coming into your program that then get developed, and you don't have this drop-off year to year. Yeah, I mean, like like what happened with TCU this year. To be fair, I mean TCU went from having eight NFL draft picks to maybe having two. Yeah, that's you. That's why, and that's why they're they're five and seven. That's what you don't want to happen to Texas. It's uh, somebody's asking how many uh, will Texas take in this class? Look, I think we're uh, twenty right now. Will all twenty sign? We'll find out. Um, but I think you're looking at two more DBs. I think Texas is doing just fine with Kobe Black. I think that'll announcement be next week after the Big Twelve Championship uh, game uh, is over. Um, then you're looking that you would love to add a fourth defensive lineman. Texas is talking to Terrence Hibbler again, the Mississippi State commit. So is Alabama and Auburn. If Terrence Hibbler shows up in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa and watches a practice this week, then we'll know there's real competition there. I think Texas is in a decent spot if he actually decommits. We'll see if Jeff Levy can keep him committed. So, you know, two DBs, a D lineman. I, I, Bobby, I mean, I think you're, you're looking at a 23-man class, probably max, um, for Texas. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I look, I think if Texas signs 23 players, they're going to sign a third straight top five class. I'll say that. There you go. It, it could be, Jerry, it could be 22 if one person peels. Too. Yeah. Jared yeah. Gibson, for example, uh, has had a uh, late affinity for the uh, the Florida Gators. We don't know 
How much so, though? And I don't want to speak for him. He hasn't come out and said that. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Hey, Blake, I want to say thank you to our, one of our sponsors for today. Uh, that's Game Time. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to Game Time. We've been talking about them all season. It's uh, the fastest growing ticket app in the country. And for good reason, you can get images of your seat before you buy. So if you're going to Arlington, uh, you'll know exactly what to expect when you arrive in your seat. You'll be able to see your seats beforehand. It's absolutely perfect for last minute purchases. Uh, Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. I've personally used Game Time for sporting events and concerts for both myself and my family. So if you need last minute tickets, there's really no better place. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the Game Time app, create an app, create an account, and use code ONTEXAS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create, create an account and redeem code on Texas uh, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, that is Game Time. Uh, Blake, you're showing some of the seat tickets. Look at this 130 for lower bowl, it looks like. Or is that 220 for lower bowl? What does that look like, Blake? That's about 130. That's actually Matt, but, but yeah, okay. 130. Oh, there's two. Look oh, at that. Two. I love yeah. how you can see. See how you can see where you sit. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. That's game time, guys. Thanks, Matt, for pulling that up for us, too. All right, guys. Let me take this off here. We got some more questions and obviously plenty of time to get your questions in. Uh, we have a lot of portal questions, y'all, as we wait for, for Paul Feinbaum to come on. So let's get to one of those. Juju Juice with a uh, super chat says lots of defensive linemen entering the portal yesterday. Are there any that Texas may take a look at? Uh, so I think we need to say one thing. The portal doesn't open till December 4th. So guys are saying they're going to intend to put their names in the portal. Uh, the, obviously uh, the programs have 48 hours to talk to those kids before that becomes official. So that's one thing just to get out of the way on the portal is it's going to be, more talk and more talk, more talk about the portal. So there are some rules to that that we need to talk about first. All right, Bobby. Yeah, and so look, uh, there are there are guys that Texas is looking at currently. It started in full force on Sunday uh, and is going through the rest of this week and will continue. Um, there have been guys, uh, you know, at various positions. I mean, Corey Flagg, uh, the linebacker out of Miami, North Shore, uh, good player. He's from North Shore. Middle linebacker. Texas needs likely needs some depth and adultness at middle linebacker for next year. He's a possibility, I would guess. Uh, but they've got to look for a tight end. We know that. They need to look for wide receivers. I mean, Jerry and I were just texting moments ago about a, a wide receiver from uh, Indiana that went into the portal, had 48 catches this year. There's just a lot of guys out there. We have to set, we have to wait until the Texas staff, in my opinion, Jerry separates the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Right. They, they need to go out and, okay, we like this defensive lineman, not this one. Otherwise, we're all just throwing names up against a dartboard right now. Yeah. Um, uh, there, are some, there are some guys out there that are going get, to be getting looks, I'm sure of it. Uh, but uh, trying to uh, piece that together right now would be difficult uh, because they have not extended an offer to any guy, any person in the portal right now. Keep that in mind. And they can't technically until December 4th. 
until yeah. the name of they, unless unless a, unless a coach has been fired, right. like the Indiana coach, right? right. Uh, that, you know, or, or something like that. But and, and by the way, on the portal too for guys, they do, they're going to do some background on these guys. So unless you had a pre-existing recruiting relationship that you already know all that, Texas is going to have people on the phone with the high school coach, the whoever that's good, the, the the champion of the, the high school recruitment, whoever they need to, to find out if they're, the guys are a fit, because that's the one thing that, uh, you know, Sark talked about that. Um, uh, it, it talked about the, the fit of the guys in the portal. It's still not about collecting talent. You have to assemble your team every year. And the great thing about it being a blue blood, and I've said this for two years, the great thing about being a blue blood, you have all the advantage in the portal. Because those guys are looking to come to you for their one last season and then go get drafted. That's a great place to be. Then you just have to make the right decisions on the scheme fit, the culture fit, and everything else with it. I just I just literally showed people uh, – I raised it up. I'm going to keep it back because I don't want people to see any names. But I've got a portal sheet that's marked every which way. Uh, top portal need, Horn7 asked. Uh, I think wide receiver. I actually think wide receiver. If you if AD Mitchell, uh, Adonai Mitchell, uh, and others, uh, Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington all gone, Jontae Cook, the only one with proven uh, numbers right now, Isaiah Nayor most likely gone eventually. That's it. Yes, uh, uh, Billy Glasscock is in charge of the portal, uh, but of course he answers to one person. That that person's name is Steve Sarkeesian. Um, and so if Sark sees somebody he likes or has a pre-existing relationship that is uh, brought to him, that can bypass the, the director of personnel sometimes. Uh, but uh, also Billy Glasscock has people underneath him that are watching, busy watching film, including Bobby Merritt, uh, who's a uh, player personnel guy from the pros that they brought in a year and a half ago. Somebody's so asking. Are, yeah. You know, there are a lot of it. Somebody's asking in the chat about uh, – the former number one ranked recruit Antonio Alfano, Texas actually never offered him. They're not recruiting him. Never. Just, I wanted to answer that question. Not yeah, that that was that was a uh, that was a kid putting something out to actually uh, get interest from other programs. Yeah, you know, to be honest, it's, it's really a not a good thing. Hey, uh, we've got Paul getting ready here. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor today. That's Annie Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to leave the corporate rat race, own your own business, maybe that's what you want to do uh, this this uh, new year uh, when you ring it in here in about a month. Uh, make sure you give Annie and his group a call. They take you through a uh, process whereby they qualify you for specific franchises, uh, interview you, get feedback, and then have a consultation with you as well. And you guys get on your way, and it's really the best way to enter uh, the franchise business. Uh, give them a call at 404-973-9901 or uh, reach out to him via email, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. That's myperfectfranchise.net. All right, let's bring Paul Feinbaum in, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, Paul? Bobby, it's so, it's so great to be back with you guys. Uh, I really enjoyed my my first visit, and uh, I'm honored that you would have me back. You left well, it with the hooker. i, I got to be honest with you. Your 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 hookum took over the the uh, Longhorn internet for a little while. Yeah, I uh, I was in College Station not long after that, uh, and I was reminded of that quite often. <laughs> hey, Paul, a uh, couple things. I mean, you talk about College Station. I'll just start there. I mean, 
that that felt like a clown show to me this week, um, which hasn't been abnormal in College Station over the years. But Ross Bjork takes Mark Stoops to the podium or to the Board of Regents. Ross Bjork, the AD at AM, gets rejected. The Board of Directors or the, the Board of Regents circle back on Mike Elko, who was there the whole time. What do you even make of that kind of decision-making process? I, what, is it a process or is it just a clown show? Yeah, you know, everybody always uses this line, but it's so it's so applicable here that when you go inside a coaching surf, it's kind of like sausage, you know, watching sausage being made, except in this case, usually sausage is pretty good. Um, I think it remains to be seen whether uh, anyone's going to eat this uh, meal here. Uh, I... I don't know all the details. Uh, so, I mean, I'll start there. But the, the most important aspect of this, and I'm going to go back for a second. I hate to be a professor here. But why did Texas get in the SEC a couple of years ago? Because they saw what A&M was doing. And now on the eve of Texas coming into the SEC, I think it's fairly safe to say that Texas owns the state right now. Uh, and that has to be the, the most bitter taste for Aggies uh, imaginable. And they're now going to trot out Mike Elko, who by all the, the nerds accounts, and I'm talking about the guys that get inside, is an excellent football coach. He, he, he X's and O's, he's organized. And you're going to put this guy, I almost said poor guy, uh, in the cauldron up against Steve Sarkeesian, who's got an absolute, Alabama, Georgia-like machine, and I think that's really the issue. And and I I cannot wait to to learn more from Ross Bjork, someone I, I have great respect for, uh, and I've watched and known for a long time. But uh, these things aren't easy, and all the fans wanted to fire Jimbo Fisher, uh, and and this is this is where you are. I mean, I, it was interesting, Bobby, and I'll shut up after this. On our show yesterday, got a lot of reaction from Aggies, and and, and there reminds me they're they're all re- reading from the hymnal. Uh, we we love this choice. We hated Stoops. Stoops is a pretty good football coach. Uh, he's proven in, in the in the SEC. I I don't I don't know what Mike Elko is. Do you guys? Um, he's a defensive coordinator that has two years' experience as a head coach. Yeah, and that's that's who you're turning it over to now. The thing that I like about Mike Elko is he is a little bit of a wizard on his side of the ball. That's good. He also has experience at Texas A and M. And knows what NIL is at Texas A&M. I think that's, in this day and age, that's of ultimate importance. He knows some of the guys on the staff uh, previously. Elijah Robinson, defensive line coach. Apparently, they're going to keep him. They wouldn't have had Mark Stoops been the hire. Uh, And that will help keep some of the existing players on campus from going to the portal. You know, Paul, Paul, Jerry, Blake, I, I feel like we're looking at a situation where a&M may have backed into a, the better hire than Mark Stoops, but to Paul's point, boy, the sausage being made was not pretty. I yeah, mean, I mean, they got, I mean, Lincoln Riley, all these names got thrown around, Paul. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, you know Ryan Day, I, I you know, I, I, we we we, covered, we carried some of the press conference yesterday, and the AD, I mean, they they really, you know, whatever whatever anybody thinks of Ross Bjork, remember this. Two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, they had a board meeting and they passed the hack. So they raised quite quickly $77 million to buy Jimbo out. So why would anyone think 
that those people were not going to pick the next coach. Uh, you know, they, they don't want to get – those guys don't have time for Zoom calls with assistant coaches and coordinators and gurus and, 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 and check all the boxes. They just want – what do you got? I mean, these, these, are, these are billionaires. And I'm assuming that when they heard Mark Stoops, they go, no, we're not taking him. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Stoops, I think, did look clownish by issuing uh, the statement at 1.02 a.m. Now, he's fortunate that nobody really cared Sunday morning. I, I was on uh, ESPN Sports Center Sunday morning, and all anybody was talking about was Jalen Milrow's throw. So Mark Stoops <laughs> did not exactly raise to the level. I mean, maybe in the Commonwealth and maybe in uh, Bryan, Texas. Uh, but he's fortunate that the country really wasn't paying attention and probably is not going to pay attention. And I don't know how to say this any nicer, but Texas A&M is not in the upper division of the SEC right now. Yeah. What's interesting, You were you at the Iron Bowl, Paul? Yes. What a game. Uh, first of all, I mean, that game has ended so many different crazy ways uh, over the years. And to have that happen and uh, what I thought was most telling, maybe Nick Saban saying we practice that play. I mean, are you serious? I mean, that, leave it to Nick Saban to practice the fourth and 30. Yeah, you, you know, know? I, I don't know what Nick Saban has in the future, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I add this. Uh, you know, somebody read me something that he said yesterday about uh, uh, going to church and, 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 and sometimes, you know, you know getting what, uh, you know, being, being given something that, that he didn't want. Nick Saban did go to Italy last May, if you guys remember, he was there two and a half weeks and everybody was raising Cain about it. Man, why, how, can, how can you go while the portal's open? I call me a liar because I don't have any sources on this, but I probably the same amount of sources that everybody else has when they're reporting coaching news. But don't be surprised if he had a private audience with Pope Francis. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that, but it, it, it happened. There's no other way to explain it. He may and and Nick may not even be Catholic. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I is he I, Catholic? I never, I never get in anybody else's religion, but I do know for a fact that he is Catholic. Okay. Hey, Paul. Uh, college football playoff committee could have chaos. Yeah. Pretty shortly. Say Alabama beats Georgia. Say Texas wins the Big Twelve championship game. Um, say FSU does beat Louisville. What's the committee to do? And that's. Um, First of all, Texas has done enough uh, to get in. Uh, and so has Alabama. So, you know, get me, give me a broom and I'm going <laughs> to clean away the trash. Uh, and that trash just happens to be FSU. I, I don't really care that they're a, an undefeated power five. All my colleagues who know more about this than I do, I'm on TV with them. And they say, well, you can't leave them out. Yeah, you can. You can leave Florida State out. And the reasons are really simple. They, they lost their best player. He's a, he's a game changer. You guys know that. Uh, I mean, Jordan Travis brought that program back. He's gone. Rotomaker is serviceable. I mean, they, they had to fight pretty hard the other night to beat Florida. And, and Florida's only a seven-loss team. So wh who are their wins? I don't know. Uh, LSU? Anybody impressed by that? Uh, Clemson? Uh in overtime, a four-loss team—that's what they get. And and Louisville, which just got, which just lost to Mark Stoops, who got rejected by Texas A&M. Uh, so I, I I say leave them out. Let 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 Florida State go to the Orange Bowl and and play 
Tulane or whom I don't really know who they're, I don't really care who they're playing, but I don't want to see, uh, and with all due respect to your friends in Fort Worth, you know where I'm going. I don't want to see another TCU in the playoffs. That's a good point. That's interesting because TCU last year beat Michigan, but it was a little bit, I mean, that's a couple funky plays. I give them credit. They'll never get credit for that. Uh, and it's too bad because uh, that was an incredible game. I was watching it from uh, the uh, even more incredible game of the day, and that was Georgia and Ohio State. But yeah. uh, you you can never scrape away the final uh, night of, of anything, and, and and that's the problem they have in Fort Worth. I got to ask you about Ryan Day and uh, Paul Feinbaum, ESPN commentator extraordinaire, longtime college football, uh, just uh, just a wealth of knowledge and, and entertaining. Um, Paul, Ryan Day has a Michigan problem, as people have said. What do you think of him as a coach? I mean, he's, was he 56 and seven? Yeah. But I think three he, losses he, he, are, he lost another one to Michigan. Yeah, three of them are to Michigan. But that's like being for in the college football playoff. I, I'm going to do it. I don't know their program that well, but three are to Michigan. One is to Georgia, I know about. One is to Alabama. How many is that? Three, five? That's five. I mean, they had we've lost, lost three other games to someone, and I have no. Uh, no um, I, I don't even know, and I really don't care. Those, those are pretty good losses. Uh, I, I think it's time for Ryan Day to pack up. Uh, I'm not saying he, he should get nobody should get fired being that good, but you guys understand it. You're in a, a state with intense rivalry. You can't lose your rival. I mean, you you just have, you lose all credibility. And I mean, Bobby, do I need to tell you the players that? That program produces. I mean, it's it's on the top shelf with uh, with Alabama and Georgia. I think the I think the issue, guys, is he started on third base and he hadn't found the way to cross home plate. Hundred yeah, percent. That's a, that's an issue after that many years. Hundred percent. He's like uh, he's like the son of the the founder who everybody still makes money. The dividend check comes in, but you're getting your head bashed in by uh, by Apple or by Pepsi or by whoever your your you know whatever beer company your biggest rival is and it, it doesn't work. Paul, what about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and this uh, sign stealing scandal? Uh, is that put the scarlet letter on them for this year? I mean, what do you it, think? It, it does to me. Um, everybody thinks they have. You know, every, uh, I mean, I was on with uh, Stephen A. Smith a couple weeks ago, and I said the Michigan fans are the worst I've ever dealt with. He said, "No, hold on a second, Cowboys." Uh, <laughs> I said college football. Um, I, I don't know enough about the NFL, but I, 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 I mean, I, I don't pay much attention to Twitter. I mean, I read it like you do because it's you get you get information fast. But I mean, after the game Saturday, I you would have thought I had uh, I'd said Michigan was going to lose by by 114 points. I mean, I, by the way, I don't I pick Michigan to win the game. Like, I don't, who cares? By the way, I mean, every, a lot of everybody picked Michigan to win the game. But, uh, I mean, they are such an angry mob up there, and they think that Jim Harbaugh and Michigan was vindicated by their win. Uh, they're, they're still accused of cheating, not by me or you or anybody else. Well, by somebody else. Actually, the Big Ten commissioner accused them of cheating. Let me ask you this. Uh, one more. Got, got a couple more minutes here with you, Paul. We appreciate you joining us, by the way, very much. Um, Bo Nix, likely the Heisman winner, in your opinion, or is it the winner – of the Washington-Oregon game between Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And I want to ask you this, because you're from the state of Alabama. Does that stick in the craw of Auburn fans that the son of Patrick Nix 
is going to go up to Oregon and maybe win the Heisman Trophy while they're stuck in kind of this morass. Right and go now. to the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll probably uh, claim him as a Heisman winner, uh, like Alabama claimed Jalen Hurts as a Heisman finalist. Um, <laughs> but it, it is pretty amazing. And Patrick Nix was a, fa- a great quarterback. He's a high school coach now, uh, not far from Auburn. He's playing for the state championship this Friday night, ironically, his team at, uh, at Phoenix City. And uh, it's uh, – there's – Jaden Daniels still has a chance. Uh, I interviewed Brian Kelly yesterday, and, and he, you know, he did the campaign. Uh, and, and he should – I mean, we all know the numbers. The problem for Jaden Daniels is that in the two biggest games of the year, maybe the three biggest games of the year, the FSU game, the Alabama game, and, and the Ole Miss game, they lost. Uh, in two, in one of those, he played brilliantly against Ole Miss. He didn't play that great in the other games in terms of making him. I mean, he was limited. He got knocked out of the Alabama game. But uh, I think there's even a – I don't think this is going to happen, but let me give you a quick scenario for the most unlikely Heisman winner of all time. What if Jalen Milrow goes crazy against Georgia? I mean, I'm talking four touchdowns, a shootout, throws the winning play. <laughs> I'm, I'm, he's certainly uh, going to get going to get serious consideration. I mean, I think it's it, I think it's an extreme long shot, but you guys saw it with with uh, RG three. You've seen it with other guys. The, that last Saturday, uh, it, I, I'm never covering the SEC championship game between Auburn and Tennessee, and Tennessee won the game. But Peyton Manning played fairly a fairly pedestrian game. It was like a thirty to twenty eight game, and he lost the Heisman. If he, if he if he had lit lit the Lift the field up, he would have won. I think Texas has lost two Heisman's like that. Oh yeah, uh, they lost. They lost. Vince Young had a very pedestrian game against uh, Texas A and M before the, the last ballot. Uh, Reggie Bush had a highlight week right. against Fresno State. Colt McCoy, yep, against Nebraska. Very Ndamukong Sue ended up getting more votes out of that game. <laughs> I want to lay something on you that you've probably never heard and that I've been keeping in, in, inside of me since I walked out of the Rose Bowl in, in early January of 2010. If Colt McCoy hadn't been heard, do you think Texas would have won? <laughs> yes. Uh, they were, I, Alabama could yeah, – I will say yes, and the reason why has nothing to do with the upfront because Texas did not have a good offensive line that year, Paul, no. and Alabama would have smothered them, but they couldn't cover Jordan Shipley. No, you're right. Yeah, uh, and, and Colt McCoy, when you couldn't cover Jordan Shipley, you got worked. It has been the mantra I, when I was in Birmingham doing talk radio. I, mean, I, I bet we heard that 10,000 times. Yeah, of course. I, that, that's the one that's the Texas fans and Mac Brown say the same thing, by the way. You should ask Mac next time you talk. Yeah, to Mac's, uh, Mac's not exactly redeeming himself right now at UNC. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And he's had and this is the thing with Mac, too, Paul. He's had two NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like he's been, you know, shy of having uh, – he's not playing with Tyrone Swoops and Case McCoy. He's playing with (laughs) Sam Howell and Drake May and still not getting it done. In the ACC. We all, I think, collectively uh, like Mac. But he's like something like he's good for a couple years and then the battery just runs down and they can't recharge him. Yes. Yeah. All All right. right, Guys. Last thing I have for Paul. College football playoff rankings come out tonight. How surprised would you be if Ohio State, if it followed the AP poll and Ohio State was six ahead of Texas and Bama tonight? Uh, I won't be surprised because these these committee guys are are analytical nerds and they know that 
both Texas and Alabama will leapfrog next week. So they'll probably just play. I mean, they get so many. I mean, you've seen it. I had I had somebody send me some of the analytics that they look at yesterday. And I just wanted to scream. Um, and, and they'll play that game. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it will be. Uh, and, and then next week, the leapfrogging begins. Yep. I, I felt like, Paul, this week is the, the rankings are in pencil. Yeah. Saturday at 11 a.m., they're in pen. It makes no difference. Uh, and and I, I don't – listen, ESPN can do whatever it wants, but I I frankly can't watch the show. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, – Just tell me the four teams and get on with it. I used to do the show, and I, I think I, I, I criticized the committee so often that they finally just said, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll make it without you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum never minces words. Uh, love you, Paul. Hope everything goes well, and uh, you have a good week. I know it's a busy one for you. And we appreciate you stopping by very much. Thanks, bud. Thank you. See you guys soon. Hey, by the way, hook them. (laughs) 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 Take care. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, Paul. Be good, buddy. Have a good one. That's Paul Feinbaum uh, of uh, ESPN, uh, well-known commentator, just an all-around funny guy. He's awesome. Uh, Entertaining as well as articulate uh, and uh, knowledgeable. Uh, right now in uh, a time where college football is getting ready to get crazy over the weekend. Uh, the Longhorns, guys, we didn't ask him about the Longhorns versus Oklahoma State, but uh, I'm sure he would have had some choice words there as well. All right, guys, we got some super chats that we need to get to right here on Coffee and Football. And this first one from Kyle Witherspoon, going back to the playoffs. Uh, thank you, Kyle. He says, your favorite playoff scenario, guys, back for another round. Based on your answers this week, it simply comes down to Texas <laughs> needing just one win from either Bama, Louisville, or the greatest show on earth <laughs> in Iowa. That's awesome, Kyle. I love it. I love it. If I if I made the prop bet right now, Iowa 163 and a half yards. Who would take the over? Not me. <laughs> Not me. Not me. Texas. Look, if FSU loses, that is it. If Texas wins, if FSU loses, I think Texas is in the playoff. I really do. Now, outside of those scenarios, it gets hairy. But if if FSU loses, Texas gets in with a win. I, I would say this too, as, as it relates to that. I, I think the over and under for passes for JJ McCarthy on Saturday is ten. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, if I were Sharon Moore or, or Jim Harbaugh, I would not pass the football inside my own 50 because I think the only way Iowa wins this game or has a chance to win is an interception return or a fumble return. Right, right. I mean, that that, that is how bad Iowa's offense is. Now, their defense is that good. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, their defensive coordinator, Phil Parker, was nominated for the Broyles Award yesterday. Pete Kwiatkowski at Texas was not a semifinalist. Uh, that, so that's, uh, that's one, uh, to, to mark down. But, um, I think that Florida state loses, Alabama loses or Alabama wins. Texas is in as long as Texas takes care of business, uh, on Saturday against Oklahoma state. Uh, the Longhorns now a 14 and a half point favorite after opening an 11 and a half point favorite. Uh, we got some more supers we're going to jump over to. This one from Steve Elm. Thank you, Steve. He says, is Naor back to his old self? And if so, is there even a small chance he can be convinced to stay? Well, I, I, I will tell you, I've got news on that front. So he does not graduate or would not graduate from Texas until May at the earliest. So he could go in the portal right now and skip spring ball. 
but remain at Texas. If he does that, though, and goes in the portal, his scholarship no longer works in the spring. So I think he's going to wait to go in the portal till after spring so they can get his be, become a grad transfer because you have to remember he's already graduated. He's already transferred once. Uh, overall, uh, I don't think that, that Texas is counting on him coming back at this point. That's, that's, that's my understanding. That doesn't mean he wouldn't be welcome back, but they don't expect him back per se. And then one more super chat. We're going to get to guys, Lee Barden. Thank you, Lee. He says, what do you think about New Jersey boy Elko? Will he get along with well-heeled boosters in Aggieland? He may not last long. If they keep giving him players, bringing him players, through their NIL program, I think he'll get along just fine uh, or he'll be forced to. That's my opinion. All right, guys. Well, let's turn the page over to Oklahoma State. Uh, Horn 7, how will we take advantage of Oklahoma State's aggressive defense? Look, I think Texas matches up well with Oklahoma State. Um, I think the uh, Oklahoma State, as, as Sark mentioned it yesterday, he said the best group of linebackers and I think he was talking in terms of playmaking linebackers that Texas has faced this year. Nick Martin, uh, out of Pleasant Grove, 120 tackles, six sacks. Uh, Xavier Benson, off the edge, out of Pleasant Grove High School in Texarkana as well. And Colin Oliver. They have three guys that are, are, are playmakers for them. But you notice what I didn't mention? Defensive tackles. They're not as good as they used to be at defensive tackle. Uh, that's going to be an issue for them. Uh, those linebackers are really going to have to be active, um, no false steps, get off blocks uh, to have big games Saturday because I think Texas has a big advantage up front. Um, Oklahoma State, they have, a, you know, obviously Colin Oliver, Xavier Benson. They're going to have to bring their pressure off the edges or with twists and stunts with the linebackers because their interior is not going to get the pressure. So Oklahoma State's going to have some decisions to make there. Um, and then how, if they if they do that, if they commit linebackers, if they have to commit linebackers to either pass rush or the run game, which they will have to do, then how do they handle JT Sanders? I think JT Sanders could have a big game. I think you flip to the other side uh, of the ball. Um, I think Oklahoma State's offensive line is going to end up being very similar, maybe slightly better than Texas Tech, and that's going to be an issue with Alan Bowman, uh, his lack of mobility and 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I, 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 how does Texas approach this, though, Jerry? Are they run heavy? Do they? It, it's interesting because, you know, Colin Oliver can be a game changer for them. Nick Martin can be a game changer for them from the pass rush standpoint. Uh, Texas, this will be outside of Dallas Turner, who Texas absolutely stoned. Um, this will be the best pass rush group, I think. Texas has faced this year, don't you think? With yeah, Colin Oliver, Nick, Nick Martin, Jerry, a singular guy. If you don't block him and Colin Oliver, who has six sacks and four forced fumbles, it's not even the six sacks; it's the four forced fumbles that catch my attention. He causes turnovers when he gets opportunities, uh, so it's really key uh, to handle him uh, Saturday. I totally agree. Yeah, they got to mitigate him somehow, some way, and keep him from being the focal point of what they do. That means probably not using JT Sanders in one-on-one -on -one situations against him at some level. 
Okay, yes. guys, this next question here is from BJ Brown. He says, is there a Texas watch party Saturday morning in the DFW area? But, Bobby, I'll let you answer that. But also let folks know what y'all are doing Friday in preparation for the game. Yeah, so a couple things. One, we're working on a watch party set Saturday morning uh, in Arlington. Uh, so uh, we don't have specifics on that yet. But uh, Jerry and I are talking with some people, uh, as well as Aaron Hogan and Rod Babers. Uh, so we're trying to work that out. For Friday... From three to seven, we will be at uh, Terry Black's Barbecue in uh, Dallas. Feel free to come on out. Uh, Jerry and I are going to be doing a live stream with Rod. Uh, and then Aaron and uh, Rod will be doing the, the radio program. After that, Jerry and I will be on with them for a little bit as well there. But come on out. We were there for the uh, game in the Cotton Bowl against the, the Sooners. Had a nice turnout. Uh, come on out. Enjoy some good barbecue and hang out with us at Terry Black's on Friday. And then this next question here is from Jason. He says, I asked earlier in the season if Texas has made the incremental improvement championships that teams make, or that championship teams make. How would you grade the last half of this season? What, who are your unexpected standouts? Benda is a great, a great call, first of all. I agree with that, Jason. Vernon um, uh, Broughton, along with Benda. And Trill Carter has yeah, been used more. Not healthy a little bit more. Yep. Those are those Eric, are, Eric Williams at safety coming on has been big for Texas. Justice Finkley as well. Played really well. Yeah. Played really well last couple of games. Um trying to think of other guys for you. Uh, obviously uh Jaden Blue would be in that category. Gunner Helm. Yeah. So there it's just you're God, that just is so refreshing, by the way, guys. That we just sat there and named not one or two, but seven to 10. Yeah. Didn't we? And it, and the names just rolled off. Um, that's, that's great. I, I would even add, I mean, our, our, the Steve Sarkeesian yesterday was talking at length about Manny Muhammad. Yeah. I mean, some of the freshmen are playing. I mean, Anthony Hill is better now than he was five games ago. Yeah. Than he was against OU, for example, Manny Muhammad, same thing. Derek Williams to Jerry's point. You know, I, I don't know all, I don't know all of it, um, but I know that the, the program is incrementally moving in the right direction and uh, we'll see how they finish recruiting this year, but man, and, and the portal, I mean, I just tell you portal is going to be super important this year too, but it's just all going in the right direction right now. And Paul Feinbaum said it. It's one of the reasons why A&M said $77 million. No problem. That's right. hundred percent. That's it. Hey, by the way, by the way, Mike Gundy in his press conference said something yesterday that I think uh, needs to be passed along to Texas fans. He was asked about – he was being – it was the fourth, third, or fourth time he was asked about the Texas defensive line. He kind of shifted away from that. He said, you know what, nobody's talking about special teams. Texas is plus 300 yards in punt return game this year. He said that's an amazing stat or an exceptional stat. And I was taken aback by that because I honestly have never looked at who has the most plus minus punt yards, uh, yardage for a team. But for Gundy to go there and call that an exceptional stat, that means Texas is dominating the punt return game. And there's three ways you do that. One great return, man. Worthy's taken one back, even had one called back. Tremendous punter who can angle punt who can punt it high, can punt it low. He can do anything you ask him to do, and then your coverage and punts is tremendous. 
I mean, they're plus 300. And he said that's an exceptional stat. Uh, he, uh, Steve Sarkeesian started his press conference saying, talking about his his overview of the game started with the dominance in special teams by them. Yeah. Uh, this on, on Monday, that's what he said. And so I agree. That's, you know, leave it to Mike Gundy to say this. I, I want to add one more stat before we take some more uh, chat questions. Uh, Blake, if you don't mind. Somebody came up with a stat yesterday. Penalties called on opponents. <laughs> Did y'all hear this stat? 131 for Texas, the most of any blue blood. Uh, no, no, 131 ranked. Right, that's what I'm saying. Not, not, not 131 penalties called. There was, was yeah. the like one of the two or three least penalty penalty teams opponents. So Big Twelve, bite me. Right. Right. That's the second to last in college football in that. Unbelievable. And the and the first blue blood on the list. With Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, which is where the majority of holding calls come from are your defensive tackles. Give me a break. <laughs> I, I you know, it, it's just anyways. Okay, so Bobby Batronic, great stat. Five Texas is getting five point eight penalties called against them this year, uh, against opponents this year. Let's see what that is Saturday. <laughs> I, I, I'll set wow. the number. I'll set the number at four and a half. Go. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting about that stat? Also, they had a bunch of blue buds listed in there. Like all of them were a hundred and below. Right. And like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, you know, et cetera. And the interesting thought process there is that the refs try to keep the games closer. Hmm. By penalizing the better teams. Hmm. That's that's the thought process. It's interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree. It's like, oh, yeah. well, we want to call this pass interference on you because the other team's getting beat so bad. Yeah. Now, Vegas is awfully, awfully talented at getting those lines so, <laughs> so close, aren't they? Just a very talented good. bunch out there, West. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, guys. Hey, we have a lot of questions uh, about if Mars work in the championship game. Bobby, I'll let you explain when that's announced real quick. I, You know, I don't know if there's if it's different um, for the championship game, but I do not. I have not heard. Typically, they only announce it on game day. For the Big 12 championship or championship games, do they do something different? I don't know. Stay tuned. Yes. Uh, we got a couple more Oklahoma State questions. Uh, of course, Gundy had his press conference yesterday. Bobby Brown wants to know what pokes are banged up with injuries. I don't think they they didn't lose anybody in Saturday's game, like season ending, knock them out of this week. That was of of note. I mean, Ollie Gordon is uh, he's been banged up for three or four weeks. He's a lot. He's a running back that's touched it two hundred and eighty times in twelve games. So he's not a hundred percent. Obviously, adrenaline will get him rolling. He, Bobby said he kind of looks like Xavier Worthy at times. He'll limp off the field and you're like, oh my gosh, is he coming back into the game? Then he's back three plays later running downhill over a linebacker. Um, so he's a hundred percent. No, he's got a little bit of an ankle issue, but you know, look, he'll play through it. I mean, he had, what do you have? 160 yards with a bad ankle Saturday. He, he willed them to victory. Yeah. That and their defense uh, made an adjustment in the second half to stop the BYU run game. And Ollie Gordon is one of the more interesting players to me in college football this year, guys, because it's not about talent with him. Um, 
he wasn't even the featured back through the first three games. And the reasons for that is not that Gundy couldn't look out there and see he was his most talented player on his offense. It's because he wasn't putting in the work. He wasn't practicing hard. They just didn't feel like he was all there. Um, then when they changed that run scheme to more of a down, uh, pull two power run game um, and said, all right, let's see what he, let's see what he can do. Uh, the, the, he, he took it to another level. But I'm telling you, first three games of the season, they were wondering where he was on as far as his effort level. It's been an interesting – and now the guy may win the dope. Very interesting. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, before we move on to some more Oklahoma State questions and then the Super Chats, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about My Perfect Franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andy Ludicky and the guys at My Perfect Franchise can help you get into your own business. If you want to leave the corporate rat race, own your own business, uh, for your future, give Andy a shout. It's a process he takes you through that's very simple, yet sturdy, and something that can get you going in the right direction. MyPerfectFranchise.net, 404-973-9901, or email him at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you've ever thought about owning your own business and getting into the franchise game, start by calling Andy. He won't do you wrong. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. All right, we want to thank them for sponsoring today's show. And we got some super chats, like I said. Uh, this first one here is from Bomb City Blue Jay. And he says, does it worry y'all that we are bad on third down and Oklahoma State is the best fourth down defense in the whole country, only giving up 17.4% of fourth downs? I think that they that's why Texas lost the game last year. They were always in third down, third and long. That's what Steve Sarkeesian has to keep them out of this year. Um, so yes, it does worry me on third down and long. Uh, they 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 are a bright, heady defense that has pass rushers. You want to stay out of third and long. That's going to be absolutely imperative if Texas wants to make this a good game. Uh, they, Texas did a great job of staying out of third and long against Texas Tech. So uh, Texas has to continue that. They did a great job of staying out of third and long against Iowa State too, guys. So that needs to keep going. That and 14 penalties to OSU zero. <laughs> 2022. Yes, Colton, I agree. Uh, well, we were talking uh, about Ollie a second ago. Bobby Petronic says, you have to be sound on the backside against Ollie. He makes a lot of hay on cutbacks from defenses, overcommitting on the front side. Yeah, and Steve Sarkeesian mentioned this too, Bobby. Uh, he talked about how they vary the blocking schemes they set some of that counter draw action up with bringing a fullback to the backside. Yes. Um, and so uh, it's interesting. Uh, they, they know how to, that, that's one thing about Gundy. He schemes the run. It's not just, we're going to run zone downhill. He schemes the run. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, the, the guy is good enough to beat teams. Clearly he's done it. Bowman has been good enough of a, a good enough a bus driver. Uh, he, he does have 10 TDs to 11 interceptions, though. But he is more of that uh, prototypical bus driver. Their offense revolves around, uh, revolves around Ollie Gordon. Texas stops him and can make them one-dimensional. I don't know that they're going to be able to do it completely one-dimensional. But if they can do it, it's a, it's a big thing uh, for the Longhorns. The Oak, Oak State's issue is 
And, and I said this before, like Texas Tech, they gave up a ton of yards against UCF. And I know Texas doesn't have a dual threat quarterback, but Oklahoma State against UCF gave up 293 yards rushing. 206 of that was to running back RJ Harvey on 24 carries. But what UCF has, and it, and it showed you something against Texas Tech prior to Texas, and it's the issue I think Oklahoma State's going to have with Texas. UCF has Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson, two receivers that may play in the NFL. Javon Baker transferred from Bama. Uh, Kobe Hudson, they're both Georgia guys. Then they have multiple tied ends. One of those guys who can stretch the field and is at least a threat. Um, and Texas Tech struggled with that, and Oklahoma State struggled with that. And I think there's a lot of similarities there, and that's going to show up again uh, a Saturday for Texas offensively. There just aren't many teams that a Texas Tech or an Oklahoma State play that have two NFL receivers and a NFL down-the-field threat athlete at tight end. And both times that Tech and Oklahoma State have faced UCF this year, they got blistered defensively, and I think that's going to happen again Saturday. Uh, Jason Hablinski with the Super Chat. I want to thank Jason. He says, since 2015 versus Oklahoma State, penalties are 82-44 to 44 in Oklahoma State's favor, including games 16-7, to 11-4, 8-2, and last year's 14-0. That's not normal and is extremely fishy. Gambling is a big and dirty business. Well, 2015, as bad as last year was, mm -hmm. 2015 with Charlie Strong was otherworldly. I mean, that that directly led to losing the game. Yeah, I mean, the, the penalties in last year, a lot of them were procedure penalties on Texas, about six or seven of them. So really, it may have been seven to zero, right? The Or, or pre-snap penalties lined up off sides or jumping off sides, that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, I want to say this. How many times has Texas jumped offside this year? I thought about that the other day. Maybe two or three times max all year long. Much more disciplined defense this year in more ways than one from Texas. So put that put put that under your hat and think about it a little bit. But the point about OSU and penalties, I, I don't. I think that the Big Twelve uh, and and schools and referees in general give more credence to people they know longer. So Mike Gundy, having been in this league for 15, 20 years, whatever it is, he's going up against Charlie Strong, who's been in it for zero years, then Tom Herman, who's been in it for zero years, and then Steve Sarkeesian, who's been in it for one or two years. Mike Gundy's already going to have a rapport with those officials. He's going to know how to work those officials. I think that that's why Nick Saban gets the calls. Been here. Been there, done that. that that's... I, I think that that, uh, that matters. That sort of stuff matters. No doubt. All right, guys, we got a ton of super chats to get to, so we need to knock those out. But before we do, I wanted to say congratulations to Colton. He said, this weekend's going to be a bender gentleman, last boy's trip for me for a while. Just found out we're pregnant with our first. Your life's, right. Your life's changing right now, Colton, and, and it's changing for the better. Uh, by the way, guys, uh, Rod Babers, y'all know, uh, joins us uh, here on – on the, the on Texas football channel, he now he, he's entered that one stage that every father can uh, identify with. He is now sleeping. The kid is now sleeping more than three hours at a time. <laughs> and I, this is this is a big moment in everybody's life. 
that, then you don't have to change the diapers at, at next. Then you don't have to use the car seat. Those are, those are identifiable moments in my life. When I got rid of the car, car seat, I was just so happy. <laughs> yeah. But those, th those are all going to be stages for you guys. Uh, congrats, Colton. Uh, I think, hey, hey, by the way, A&M has Ross Bjork in a car seat now. <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to point that out. <laughs> He and he's facing backwards because he's yeah, so young. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he has to be in the backwards cars. So he can't even face forward. Yeah, I, I think they put him in the back of the truck and he ran. He rode in the uh, the tailgate, open tailgate of the truck when they picked up Elko from the airport at two a.m. What a clown show! Oh man, clown show. <laughs> well, Jerry, I'm glad you mentioned Daniel because uh, we we did have a couple of super chats that came in when Paul was on here. And uh, I want to at least go ahead and read those. Archmania said it was a question for Paul. How long did it take you to see how Texas A&M can screw up just about every major decision they make? How do you like Sark's success? But Bobby, I'm going to let you take that first part of that question and just talk about that for a quick second. Uh, it, it's a, it's just a, it's just a fact. I mean, that's how they work, in my opinion, is that they start off wrong. And then try to fix it and just instead of just trying to start off right. Um, I, I don't. Historically, it's been like that. I mean, they've. They have you think about it. Who have they had that's been good for them? R.C. Slocum and Jackie Shiro. They've they've regretted every other hire since the 90s. Right. Yep. Kevin Sumlin, Dennis Francione. Mike Sherman. They've regretted every single one of those. So Texas is on their third one now after Mac. Uh, so it's not it's not like it just didn't take Texas 20 years to get there between the two. Right. Or 25. Hey, so uh, people are commenting Texas did put out there. Texas is the home team Saturday, but they are wearing the icy whites. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. we didn't even talk about uh, we didn't talk about November 30th, 2024. No, yeah, uh, guys, Texas uh, is going to be uh, playing Texas A&M. Uh, the, the date for that game has come out as November 20th, or November 30th, which is a Saturday, 2024. ESPN is reporting that that's when Texas and Texas A&M are set to renew their rivalry. The only other date that ESPN gave that related to the University of Texas is that Georgia will travel to Texas on October 19th. So circle your calendars. Uh, that Texas Texas A&M game is going to be on a Saturday, not on a Thursday, not on Turkey Day, and not on Friday. Hey, we had a quick question about is Donald Hawkins still joining the show? He had something come up, so we will try to get him on as quickly as possible. By the way, we'll have Tom Luganville on tomorrow, uh, who Lugs joins the show. He was at obviously called the game from the help call. Was on the call Saturday. Uh, was on the field for uh, Texas's beatdown of Texas Tech, and he met, he went on a rant about why Texas should be in the playoff. And he was also right there to see Arch's first action and was there for the reaction. Yeah, that'll be a good one for sure. That is tomorrow. All right, we had one other one for Paul, guys, that we're going to answer. Steve said, uh, what percentage would you put on Louisville beating Florida State? I know we kind of briefly touched on this. It's a great question. Okay, so here's here's my take on it, Bobby. Louisville will score more than 15 because Brahm is coaching Louisville and Napier was coaching Florida. And Florida was even at home and scored 15. 
Louisville's going to score more than 15. Are they is their pass or is their pass protection going to hold up well enough for them to get to 24 27? Because FSU can rush the passer. If if Louisville gets to 24 27 points, unless they unless Keon Coleman makes big plays in the punt return game, just some massive first round wide receiver plays. I don't I'm not sure FSU's going to score 24 on Louisville. So it, I think it comes down to how does Louisville's offensive line handle FSU's pass rush? Is going to be big in that game. I I think that Louisville Brom will score points. Yeah, to Jerry's point, um, I think that uh, even like I I think for example I think Kentucky's defense is better than than Florida State's defense. That's what Kentucky lives on, and Louisville scored thirty one points against Kentucky. Okay. And, and and had 400 yards to Kentucky's 280. Yes. It's turned it over three times. Yes. And so let's see where this goes. But uh, I definitely think that, I mean, OE, uh, FSU is favored by five, roughly, in this game. Down to three. Uh, down to three now. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you got that. But uh, my my opinion right now is that Texas uh, just needs to hope for this, hope for a game. I can't, I can't tell you any more than that. Right? I mean, we can talk about it, but. Texas is at the whim of other people, uh, unfortunately, as it relates to that. They are not, however, at the whim of other people when it comes to winning the Big 12 championship. That is that is job one. Laser focus on that for Saturday morning. That's what matters. By the way, the lines now, people are coming. It's down to two. And I, I, I just I wonder if Tate Rodemaker plays in that game. You think he had a concussion? If he did, they trotted him back out with one late. They better not have. Because his dad's a high school coach, that wouldn't go over well. Wow. All right. And D. Herring, we also want to thank you for the super chat because yours was along the same line. So we're going to, we combine both of those there. All right. Uh, this next one from UT Boy. Want to thank UT Boy for the super chat. He said, I'm buying adult beverages Friday. Find me. And he's talking about at Terry Black's barbecue, which we'll be at from uh, three to four. We'll get there er earlier, obviously, on Friday. Uh, that'll be for our Longhorn live stream. So everybody, uh, come on out and shake shake some hands and uh, have some barbecue because that place is really good. Yeah, we'll be there from three to seven. Actually, the the live streams from three to four. Yeah. Uh, but we're gonna hang out and do radio with Rod and Aaron as well. Yeah, um, come by. Uh, Jerry and I will be there around two o'clock, beginning to set up, and we actually have more time during that than we do during mm -hmm. that live stream. Obviously, uh, to meet and talk and and hang out. So please feel free to join us. Uh, we got another super chat from Fresh Prince 512. Thank you, Fresh. And he says, Who is your favorite recruit in the state that Texas showed minimal or no interest in? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, this year, is he talking this year? Is the question. Um, give me a second to think about that, Bobby. Casey Poe at Lindale, or is that because they like Daniel Cruz better? Yeah, Cruz is the center. They like Poe as a center. Um, I, so that's just a positional thing. I think they like him, but they didn't like him for what they saw him as an evaluation uh, standpoint. I, I, hold on, I'm pulling up because I don't want I want to give an accurate answer here. Um, I, I knew there was there's some guys, but I, Texas offered most of the guys. I mean, uh, some people would bring up Zion Kearney going to OU because of his size speed ratio at wide receiver. They're still back in the playoffs. Um, you know, Texas never offered Weston Davis. They flirted with him. Upside offensive tackle prospect. 
I, you know, Kedron Young, after going by Lufkin to see Zion Williams, Kedron Young at running back, super smart kid, would have been a really good scheme fit. Obviously, they had the two out-of-state backs. I know I'm, I'm I'm throwing a bunch of names out there. I'm just I'm just bringing up some guys that I've seen. I went and saw Dante Carter at Cibolo Steel uh, three weeks ago. Committed to Vanderbilt. Not going to be ready as a freshman physically. He's built more like a wiry wide receiver right now. The safety. He's six foot and a half, one seventy five. In three years, watch out for Dante Carter. His upsides. He 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 might actually be my guy. Um, Ashton Bethel Roman, whose dad, obviously Mark Roman played at LSU receiver at Ridge point. Uh, he's got a lot of upside as well. So those are some guys off the top of my head, um, that I, that I really liked that I saw either as seniors. Oh no, never mind. I got my number one Xavier Atkins receiver, a running linebacker at summer Creek going to LSU moved in from Jonesboro, Louisiana, Texas has messed with him. Couldn't really get in the door there. He's been solid to LSU. Uh, but Xavier Atkins is my guy. There just aren't many guys that f- fly to the football with the suddenness he has. Um, and I know he's only six foot, 200, 205 pounds. I don't care. Uh, look at Nick Martin this weekend uh, for Oklahoma State. was 120 tackles and six sacks. And Xavier Atkins is a faster version of that. Xavier Atkins will be an NFL player, even if he's a little undersized at linebacker, as long as he stays healthy. All right, so we got just a couple more here, then we will call it a day. And this next one is from New SEC Homer. He says, what's the roadmap for replacing uh, Sweat and Byron Murphy? Can we develop guys to that level again, or do we have to hope for a unicorn? Jerry, you want to take that one? <laughs> um, sure. Um, look, I think uh, I, I think here's the thing. Dre Bledsoe needs to take the big step and that's continue to be consistent. If he does, he's going to be a tremendous disruptor. He's going to be 6'4", 300 pounds and pound for pound, the best athlete in the program. Sadir Mitchell consistently needs to make that jump. Uh, if those two guys do with Vernon Broughton, look, DeAndre Robinson, Alex Jr. are early enrollees. They're going to be young, but I'm just telling you, getting those guys in in the spring is going to be big. Alex Jr. had a tremendous game against the Woodlands last week, and he's a much improved player this year. Should be a four-star recruit. He's underrated. Uh, DeAndre Robinson finally got there. He was, he's was he been underrated. Those two guys, one of those two guys will have to come on. Alex uh, Alex January plays over the ball. DeAndre Robinson more of that disruptor. Um, so those two guys coming in the spring's big. They're going to have to hit the portal at one spot, Bobby. Uh, but they're not void of talent. They're just going to have to have guys that come through. And the big one is Alfred Collins. Does he come back? And if he does, Texas will be different because they'll be more disruptive of a group. Now, does that work better in the SEC? I don't know. They may have to find a guy that anchors in the portal. They need Trill Carter to come back as well, uh, I think, for numbers. Uh, they also uh, need Sadir Mitchell to come on. They do. Andrew. Right. Yeah. They Those guys need to look like future NFL draft picks next year. Right. And this next one here is from Antonio Harris. It feels, feels good that Whittington, Sweat, Ford, et cetera, are going out of UT, all respected. They brought they helped brought, bring the program back. I think them hook on. I agree. Christian Jones, guys like that, you know, I, I feel like they, they, they deserve David Benda deserves it for staying around. I mean, how many people would have transferred? 
You know, think about that. I, I, I think that Texas has got a lot of good, good young men right now playing for them uh, that have their head on straight for the most part. I mean, nobody's got it on truly straight at 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, let's be clear about that. But um, I think that, I, I think that Texas has got a little something special and Sark's, Sark's created that culture. I mean, I, it's such, so cliche to say that every coach uses that term, but that's what Sark has right now. And he's built it and fostered it. It wasn't, he did, he, Steve Sarkeesian to Paul Feinbaum's point and your point, Jerry, he wasn't born on third base with this Texas program. That's right. He had to put pine tar on the bat before he came <laughs> out. Okay, guys, we got one more super chat here, then we'll call it a day. Jerry's Jack Links. Thank you for the super chat. He says, since we are still in the Big 12, do you think the Big 12 brass would be in favor of us reaching the playoff, or would they rather see us fail? I think every other member wants to see Texas fail. I don't know about the brass. I mean, Brett Yormark probably will use this as a, a way to, I don't know, get a basketball game somewhere. No. Um, I, I, I don't know that... I don't know that uh, the brass or other than John Weiser, he's clearly hoping Texas loses. Um, but I don't really care what they think anymore. I mean, they're they're passe. Look at this and point, they're ready to be on ESPN streaming. Here, here's the reality for me. At this point, they just want to go see Texas get in the playoffs and end up winning the whole damn thing, so they could say the Big Twelve won a national championship. Yes, now that Texas true. is there, now that Texas is there, they want them to go get it done. Because that's the only hope to get it done for the Big 12 forever. You really think Baylor and Texas Tech are rooting for that? Not a chance. No. <laughs> they hope, they hope I, Texas loses by 40 on Saturday. I, th I, th I think you're for shunning, for shunning them, you know. I, I think you're marking those guys secretly probably now that Texas is there. Just go win the whole thing so we can prop it up. Oh, yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe not. <laughs> All right, hey, the Big 12 does get a lot of money. Very true. Very true. All right, Bobby, before we get out of here, let folks know what they can expect later today right here on On Texas Football. Yeah, absolutely. Jerry and, and uh, Justin are going to break down recruiting. Uh, that's first and foremost with Xavier Filsay. I mean, I, that, that recruitment, like I said, fundamentally changed uh, last night with the firing of Corey Raymond, the defensive backs coach at uh, Florida. Uh, that is big news. Uh, Jerry and, and Justin also going to be talking a little bit about the portal as well in the recruiting breakdown. Uh, then uh, tonight, there's the uh, live stream with Jerry, Rod, Aaron Hogan, uh, back to answering your questions as well. I, I want to say this uh, also. Uh, we are in the process right now of creating a special show on National Signing Day. Um, and so we're going to be going, I think it's going to be 10 hours of programming on National Signing Day letting people know when guys are getting their letters of intent, talking about things that are still going on behind the scenes. Uh, so be aware of that. That's coming up December 20th is the first National Signing Day. Also, if you have any interest in advertising for that show or in the uh, – we're now taking advertisements for uh, what I call Q1, first three months of next year, reach out to me at ontexasfootball at gmail.com and uh, we'll get a conversation going. Guys, I, that's a lot of manscaped reads on signing day, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, I, I, look, I, I, I really, I, I will say this, as we grow here and as the University of Texas grows with it, 
I, I really enjoy right now what we're doing uh, here with you guys every morning. It's been a lot of fun for me personally, uh, getting to meet some of you guys in person at the various events and, and just getting to know your handles online too. Uh, been a lot of fun. No doubt about it. And we would also appreciate if you would hit that like and subscribe button. If you haven't already, be sure to ring the bell anytime. So you're notified anytime a video is posted right here on On Texas Football. We want to thank Andy Lukey and My Perfect Franchise for sponsoring today's show. The co-op, of course, for taking part of the 12 days of Christmas right here on On Texas Football. And then game time as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for all the super chats. We also want to thank Paul Feinbaum for joining us. Don't forget tomorrow we'll have a special we'll have special guests pretty much all week, guys. And I did talk to Donald Hawkins. He will be here Thursday, so we got him rescheduled. He'll be joining us too. So uh, Tom Luganville tomorrow as well. So for Jerry Hamilton and Bobby Burton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hook them. Have a good day, guys.